Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. Get ready for your life to be changed by today's message from Pastor Jeremiah Hosmer. I want you to go in your Bibles to John 14. John 14. And I'm telling you, God's going to minister through this word today in a powerful way. And you're going to sense God come all over you during the preaching of the word. So I wouldn't go nowhere. Just, just pull your phone out and just text to people and say, listen, listen, I ain't going to be there till about 2.30. Y'all just hold the ham and the potato salad and all that good stuff and you make me a plate. Because I'm trying to feed my spirit right now. And, and if I don't get fed in the spirit, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I, I can eat anywhere. But not everybody's preaching a good word right now. So I got to eat now. Just hold me a plate to the side. Amen. Tell them wrap it up in saran wrap so it stays warm and everything. Amen. And the, and the cornbread don't get all hard and dusty on you. It's got to get moist. Oh, dusty cornbread. Nobody want no dusty cornbread, do they? Amen. Nobody want no dust. We want that thing like cake, man. Come on, somebody. We sop something up with it. Amen. All right. First Corinthians. I'm sorry. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And, and we're going to begin reading in, in verse 19. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Hallelujah. God said, I'm sending you a word that'll give you life in the midst of a dead place. Hallelujah. Now, I want to give you some homework today so that this evening when you're, when you're, when you're sitting in your recliner on your couch and you're, uh, and you're sitting there in a food coma, I, I want to give you a little homework so when you wake up, you'll have something to read. I want you to read the chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because the first 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, if Jesus did not raise from the dead... He said, then our faith is in vain. In other words, him raising from the dead has now given us life. Because he lives, I can live also. 
And he said when he, listen, so, so in other words, I want you to look at the empty tomb and understand that when you look at it, it's given you life. Hallelujah. Father God, today, we humble ourselves. We have celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. Lord, we've glorified you. We've come in here. We've praised. We've worshiped. We've prayed. Lord, we've clapped our hands. We've danced. And we're so thankful that you decided to come to church. Today, Lord, I ask that you would manifest your presence in a greater way. I realize that there are people under the sound of my voice, whether they're in this auditorium or whether they're watching online right now, that if they don't make a change today, if they don't, if something does not happen and they die tomorrow, they will burn in hell forever. And so, God, I realize the weight and the seriousness of this moment. So I'm asking for an anointing to preach your word. I'm asking for an anointing to fall upon everybody who is listening listening now, Lord, that they would hear, receive, and understand and respond to your word. I tear off every blindfold. I tear off every hard cover of every heart. I tear off everything that might be causing the ears of people not to hear the word of the Lord. I take dominion and authority in the earth today. And I decree because you live, I can live also. And I declare whom the Son makes free is free indeed. So today, God, I release an apostolic anointing that makes every demon spirit bow to the name of Jesus right now and I thank you God that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world and I release this over this house now let there be such a flow of the spirit God that the complacent are set on fire that the apathetic are woken up God I pray oh God today that people begin to find their identity that young ladies no longer feel like they have to give themselves up to be accepted and young men no longer have to try to be somebody they ain't to try to be accepted but let identity hit this house now in the name of Jesus and God I pray today let thy kingdom come let thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven and God I give you praise for I thank you Lord for what you're about to do I call people out of their darkness this morning I prophetically declare in Jesus name I call them out of their darkness now and I thank you for what you're doing Jesus in Jesus mighty name <laughs> amen come on y'all shout or clap your hands whatever just give God some kind of praise we bless you. Go ahead and be seated. I want to preach to you from the subject uh, title or subject matter for a moment today. I want to preach to you four miracles from the empty tomb. Because I, I want people to understand that the tomb, the empty tomb, is not just a story in the Bible. Shout amen to that. I know many of you are writing the title down, so I'm just giving you a moment to catch up. Four miracles from the empty tomb. So many of us, let me just say this, many of us, many of us who are saved and unsaved, we, uh, let me, all right, so in this auditorium and people watching, most of the people are probably born again. Uh, we've probably got some people who are backslidden uh, in here. I hope we got some backsliders in here. Uh, we prayed you in if you are in here. We've got some people who have never given their life to Jesus. All they know is church is, is going, to, going, to, going to Sunday school, making popsicle stick Jesuses and getting some red Kool-Aid and spilling it on their T-shirt for Easter. That's all they know. 
And so today, the word that God's about to release is one of those words that begins to penetrate all the deception and begins to break down stuff that is keeping you from walking with the Lord. Somebody shout amen. So we have people who are saved and unsaved in this place. Now, right now, those, who, those of you that are away from God, you're unsaved. You, uh, I would say this, many of the people in America probably know something about this weekend has to do with something tied to Christianity. At least half, I would say half, We're, we are beginning to live in a nation now that is, that is wanting nothing to do with God. But I, somebody say, I have an anointing to call this nation back to God. Mm -hmm. And so you have, you have lost people right now, but they know something had something to do with the man that his name is Jesus, I think. And, and you know what? I think he died on a cross. Don't really know what he was doing, but I think it has something to do with that. You got people who hate Jesus. You got people who don't even believe in God sitting in churches today because mama bribed him and grandmama drug him and, and said, listen, I'll make your favorite meal if you'll get to the house of God with me. So they, so they came on and we're so glad that you came. Amen. And so we're, we're so thankful that you decided to show up. You got people who, who are atheists, don't want nothing to do with God, but, but are out celebrating some kind of thing about Easter today. And so that's, to the, that's about the totality of what they probably know about this weekend. Uh, they, they think that it has something to do with a cross or with Jesus, but they don't really know for sure. But for those of us who are right with God, this weekend has a little something else to do with it right now. For those of us who are right with God, and for those of us who are, who, are, who are living and walking with the Lord, we realize that this weekend, uh, it really has nothing to do with rituals. We realize that this weekend has nothing to do with the norm, just the normal church. We realize that it really has nothing to do with whether I get to hunt an Easter egg at my grandmama's house. We realize it really has nothing to do with whether I make it to lunch on time or not. We realize that it really has nothing to do with me going and having a family meal. We realize that if Jesus Christ did not come and die on a cross and was raised from the grave, I'd still be a dead in my trespasses right now and I'd still be lost and on my way to hell we realize that this weekend is about somebody that raised from the dead we're, but we're not but we don't stop there we it didn't just happen right there we realize that this thing goes all the way back to the beginning of time we realize that there was once a man by the name of Adam and Eve in the garden and because of their rebellion because of their rebellion they sinned against God and because there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood we realize that God in a garden killed the very first animal and wrap them with skin. Why? He was communicating something from the very beginning of time that when man sins, there has to be the shedding of blood. And we realize that it didn't just stop there, but, but uh, we realize a couple thousand years later that there would be a man by the name of Abraham and he would take his son Isaac up, up, up on a mountain. And because God said, I want you to take him up there and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering. And Abraham goes up there and the Bible says that Abraham reaches the knife up to slay his own son. And God says, hold your hand, Abraham. You got the wrong boy. <laughs> and he said, and he provides a ram in the thicket. He 
he provides a ram in the thicket. And the Bible says that Abraham goes over and gets the ram and he offers the ram as this as a as a burnt offering. What what was God communicating? God was communicating there was going to be a day where there was going to be a mountain and there was going to be a sun and there had to be some shedding of blood. And we realize it didn't just stop right there. We realize that there was years later where the children of Israel were in bondage just like many of you were in bondage couldn't get yourself out of it it didn't matter how much you did it didn't matter how many horoscopes you read it didn't matter how much sage you burnt it didn't matter how many crystals you had in your hand it didn't matter if you watched Oprah it didn't matter what you declared it didn't matter you were bound in your sin you were chained to the powers of hell and just like just like you were so were the children of Israel they were bound to the Egyptians and we realize that one day that God said it's time to let my people go and so he said we can't do this just by turning water into blood and we can't do this just by sending flies and we can't do this just by making a staff turn into a snake he said but it's going to take the blood of a lamb and he said when you take the blood of a lamb and you put it on the doorpost he said then the death angel is going to pass over and what was holding you down is going to let go and my people are going to come out. We realized that it was going on back then but God didn't stop. He said there was going to be a day where people were going to be bound to all kinds of powers of darkness. They were going to be bound to all kinds of pornography. They were going to be bound to all kinds of adultery. They were going to be bound to all types of addictions. They were going to hate people because of their color. They were going to hate people because of their nationality. They were going to hate people because of their economic status. They could not ride by a liquor store and not pull in it. They could not turn their computer on and not look at it. We realized chains were on people and God realized it too. He said, so there's going to be a day. I'm just in my introduction. Stay with me. There's going to be a day where a man's going to be go once up a mountain again, but this time it won't be a man's son. It's going to be my son. And yes, he's going to be carrying some wood on his back, but it ain't going to be for a burnt offering. It's going to be to hang on a cross because he who hangs on a cross is cursed. And he who began cursed is cursed because we needed a blessing. I feel like preaching in this house now. And so we realize, I'm just in my introduction, we realize that this thing didn't start there. This thing's been going on for years. That God was communicating something through the ages of time that if it is not for the blood, you will not get out of your chains. If it is not for the blood, then demon spirits ain't gonna come out of you. If it is not for the blood, you won't bust your crack pipe. If it is not for the blood, you won't come back home to your marriage. But I'm thankful that God looked through the eons of time and he said, my son needs a ah, some blood. So we realize that God was doing this this whole time, that it didn't just start. I feel like kicking an Easter bunny one more time. Can I? Because you got people, probably not in this house, but you got people leaving that don't even apply what Jesus has done to go and apply what somebody said the weekend's about. So I'm going to give the Easter Bunny one more black eye. 
I got lit. I got some parents hot with me right now. How dare you? Let them be I ain't just, listen, do what you got to do. But until you've been brought out of some junk like I've been brought out of, you don't really know what it's about. But I realized there was nothing that could take me out of my sin except for the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. So I'm done kicking him for a moment or two. But that's not where you, even what I'm preaching about this weekend. What I'm preaching about this weekend is that, listen, we know about all these things. We know about how God has done all this for us. But, but what, you, what you must realize is that the empty tomb is not there just for a story. The empty tomb is communicating something in your life right now. Oh, preacher, what does the empty tomb have to do with what I'm facing? What does the empty tomb have to do with what I'm dealing with right now? What does the empty tomb have to do with me having to go get my kids out of jail? What does the empty tomb have to do with me hearing a bad doctor's report? What does the empty tomb have to do with the darkness overshadowing my life right now? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Hallelujah. Matthew 28, 1 through 4. We're going to get some word in you. Matthew 28, 1 through 4. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary and Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the, see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and it sat on it. Look, boy, I'm telling you, that angel was right, wasn't he? He just sat on the stone. His countenance was, was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. Watch verse four right here. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Have you ever, have you ever heard people talking about falling out ain't of God? You got an issue with some scripture. They became like dead men. When Jesus was in the garden and he said, who do y'all seek? And they said, we seek Jesus. He said, I, I am he. And they fell back as dead. You got some issues with scripture. I could keep going for about four more times if you want me to, but I ain't preaching on that. I'm just trying to get religion off of your life so you can get some power of God in your life so you don't have to go home and be the same man you was when you walked in. Hallelujah. So, so they came and these, these guards were there. Number one, the empty tomb tells us tells us that opposition and obstacles are only opportunities for God to show his power in the earth. I want you to realize today that these guards were there to try to keep the body in. These guards were placed at a tomb with this instruction. Don't let nobody in. Don't let nobody out. I know they're going to try to come and steal his body away. So we're going to put you at this tomb and you are going to stop anything that might happen like that. But they were the opposition. They were the obstacles. But how many of you know that every time man puts an opposition in the way of God, it ain't nothing but an opportunity for God to show his power in the earth. And I really don't know what opposition or obstacles you might be facing right now. You might be facing financial obstacles. You might be facing all kinds of help opposition but can I tell you look at the empty tomb and if that stone is rolled away it ain't nothing but an opportunity for God to show his power in the earth today my God in heaven hallelujah hell put his best opposition 
and said, there ain't no way this man's coming out. Hell put his best obstacle. There ain't no way this man's coming out. I don't know what hell put in front of you. Maybe hell's put in front of you. There ain't no way you'll ever break your addiction. There's no way you'll ever come out of what happened to you as a child. There's no way you'll ever recover from your divorce. There's no way you'll ever get out of your depression. And hell turn around and put some guards and some opposition in the way. But I have been sent from the Lord here today to tell you what is an obstacle and what is an opposition has now become an opportunity for God to move in your life and if the grave ain't empty you can go home in your depression but the stone has been rolled away the grave is empty and you can come out of what you're in now hallelujah oh glory put me a bunch of guards in front of that tomb and stop this man coming out oh the the futility of man to think that he could stop the creator. The, listen, the arrogance of hell to think that it can stop the plan of God for your life. The arrogance of demon spirits to think they can stop the plan of God for your life. Ah, the haughtiness of a government to think they can stop the plan of God for a nation. But we're here as the kingdom to say not on our watch. The grave is empty. The tomb is empty. The the stone has been rolled away. And what you meant for evil, God has turned for our good. Hallelujah. Y'all sit down for a minute. You're going to find out. You're going to be back up in a minute. As my good friend, I heard him last night. Tommy Bates said, you got yourself up. You can get yourself down. Amen. I want you to go to Luke 24. Luke 24, verse 1. Hallelujah. Now on the first day of the week. You know, you got all kinds of religious folk. Let's stop right here. Let me kick something in the mouth about 90 seconds. I, you know, I got to put some right stuff out. You got all kinds of religious people telling well, you, you're supposed to be worshiping on the Sabbath and you in, you in, uh, you in all kinds of uh, rebellion because you're worshiping on Sunday. And don't you know, <laughs> you want to know why we worship on Sunday? Because Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday. That's why we worship on Sunday. Take that religious stuff and take it back to the grave where it died. I don't know what devil I'm kicking, but I feel like kicking it for 30 more seconds. There ain't no life in it. If there was life in it, then Jesus Christ didn't have to come and die. And he didn't have to be raised from the dead because the law could have already gave you life. But what the law was weak in, here comes the law of the spirit. Ah, given by Christ Jesus to give you life in your death. Hey, we good on that one. Amen. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. But, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living 
among the dead. Can I stop right there just for a moment? It ain't what I'm preaching, but oh, if there was a word for this generation, if there was a word that needed to permeate Hollywood, matter of fact, let's stay off Hollywood. If there was a word that needed to permeate the church right now, it is why are you seeking living amongst the dead stuff? Ain't no life in it. You're just going through rituals and people are becoming twice the sons of hell as they were before they walked in. Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? We're back. Hallelujah. Verse 6. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. Verse 7. Saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified in the third day rise again. Number two, the empty tomb proves that God can bring life out of a dead place. I said God can bring life out of a dead place. I said God can bring life out of a dead place. You may have pronounced death over that thing. You may have pronounced the end over that thing. You may say there ain't no life left in it. But I dare you to put God over it and put him first in it. Because anything God's first up, he breathes life into. Oh, just ask him when you get to heaven. He was terrible at being invited to funerals. Because couldn't nobody be dead and buried on his watch. Why? Because he knew how to walk in a dead place and bring life to it. On Sunday morning, these ladies went to the tomb to place spices on the body of Jesus. They were going to what they consider or what we would consider a graveyard. It was the place where they placed dead bodies in tombs. But when they showed up, to their surprise, the stone had been rolled away. Two angels stood there and asked them a question. Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? In other words, these, lead- these ladies came to a place of dead and watch this. And they, ex- they came to a place of death and they expected to find death. They did not expect to find life. But what you don't understand is that anytime you're dealing with the God that I serve, he is a life-giving God. I said he is a life-giving God. He knows how to take, he knows how to take uh, dirt and form something and breathe breath into that and become a living being. And if God can play in some dirt and he can breathe into nostrils and make that a living being, I came to tell you God can play in some dirt one more time and he can breathe into your marriage and he can breathe into your finances and he can breathe into your children. And he can breathe into that health report. And he can breathe into everything that you thought was dead. All you got to do is say, God, I'm sick and tired of being over it. Breathe life into this dead place. Hallelujah. He takes dead things and breathes life into it. Oh, how many are happy for that? I look around this auditorium and I see marriages that they counted out. There ain't no way they're going to make it. But you got it, but you got out of the way and put God over it. And, and all of a sudden you felt the breath of the Lord blowing once again in your life. I see prodigals sitting in this place right now. They said, never come home. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you are sitting there saying, I still ain't came home. The service ain't over yet. I said the service ain't over yet. My God has the final say. 
you better you in a dangerous place for a good thing right now he knows how to take dead stuff and breathe life into it hallelujah why do you seek the living amongst the dead but number three the third thing that we learn from an empty tomb is this the empty tomb shows us I want you to hear this very good because this is going to minister to many people the empty tomb shows us that God is too good to allow you to stay in hopelessness. I said God is too good to allow you to stay in hopelessness. In the 11th verse of John chapter 20, Mary is standing outside the tomb weeping. She stoops down to look inside the tomb and sees his body is not there. You see, 2,000 plus years later, we get to read about it and understand that his body not being there is a good thing. But when she's walking through it, she didn't know it was a good thing. She's sitting outside of the tomb hopeless because she's looking at everything that has happened. You got to realize this Mary that's outside that tomb, she had followed the Lord. She had given her, the Bible says that these ladies and some of those guys that followed him, they gave out of their resources that to, to make sure this gospel was being preached. This lady that's following the Lord, Jesus cast seven demons out of her. Some of you only had one. Seven demons came out of this lady. Seven of them came out of her. She didn't have no plan B. Jesus was her only plan. Jesus was her only plan. She didn't have nothing to fall back on. The problem was, is now listen to this. She had watched Jesus heal people. She had watched Jesus take five loaves and two fish and feed a multitude. She had watched, watch this now, she had watched Jesus raise people from the dead. She had watched Jesus heal lame people and she heard from the disciples as he walked on the water and came to them in the midst of a storm. She was fully convinced this is the Messiah. This is the man. But see the problem that brought hopelessness in her life, it was not what Jesus did, it was what Jesus didn't do. What are you talking about what he didn't do? When they took him before the Sanhedrin and they mocked him, he didn't say a word. <laughs> when they spat in his face, he didn't say a word. When they ridiculed him and threw stuff at him, he didn't say a word. And when they tied him to that whipping post and whipped him until his very insides were showing, he didn't say a word. And then when they tied that cross on his back and he was walking up Calvary's hill, he didn't say a word. And then they're sitting here at the last moment on the hill of Golgotha and they're saying, surely now he's going to say something and surely now he's going to do something and surely now he's going to call upon his father. But he didn't say a word and he allowed them to nail him to a cross and she said, surely now he's going to do something and he sat there and he didn't do anything that she thought needed to be done. The only thing she heard him say is, it is finished. 
So she's sitting at that tomb and she's mustered up all the faith that she has left and she's outside of that tomb weeping and she's wondering, my God, it wasn't enough that you beat him. It wasn't enough that you mocked him. It wasn't enough that you ridiculed him. It wasn't enough that you killed him. But now you stole his body to go do something with. You see, when you're in hopelessness, what a, when God works a miracle, the only, only thing you can see in the miracle is the hopelessness that you're in. Hopeless. And she's sitting there saying, my God, wasn't enough. Now you stole the body. Now, 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 now you went and done something with the body. You see, what you need to understand is this right here is when, and this is a word for many people in this house. When she thought Jesus was doing nothing. He was actually doing everything. When you thought he was not working, he was actually behind the scenes doing everything. When you thought he wasn't speaking to your prodigal, he was behind the scenes talking to them. When you thought he didn't care, he was actually working stuff in front of you. She's at that tomb. Pastor Antoine, she sees two angels, right? But even seeing two angels doesn't change her perception because hopelessness is so deep in her that she, that instead of allowing this, the sight of angels to pull her out of it, she pulls the angels into it. What are you talking about? Not that she physically pulls them in, not that she pulls them in to be hopeless, but she pulls them into her story. Some of you have gotten so used to telling your hopeless story that you don't know how to get out of it. And even when God works a miracle, you pull the miracle into your hopeless story and give it the identity of hopelessness. Oh, I'm talking to somebody in this place. And so the angel said, well, you know, whatever. Watch this. She's so deep in her hopelessness that now Jesus comes up. Because he ain't going to leave her there. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not going to leave you there. Come on, tell him. He's not going to leave you there. So Jesus walks up. Now, he, he's so, listen, he's so glorified that he, he hasn't even gotten to the Father yet. Because he says, don't touch me yet. I haven't ascended. But he said, I was, so, I was so concerned about you that I could not ascend until I came to see about you. Now watch this. So she, so the angels could not break her out of her hopelessness. Here we go now. I'm about to, I'm about to mess with some of y'all's theology. His presence didn't break her out of her hopelessness. What broke her out of her hopelessness? Because she thought he was the gardener. She, she had just, 
She had looked at him and said, oh, you can't help me either. But when he said her name, when he said Mary, she said, Rabboni, preacher, ain't nobody but one person can call my name like that. Preacher, what are you saying in this house today? I'm telling you, many of you walked in hopeless. Many of you have been in your hopelessness for a long time. But today, if you'll listen with your spirit, God is calling your name. And when you hear it, you'll come out of your mess. You'll come out of your chain. You'll come out of your darkness. You'll come out of your depression. He said, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And I care so much about you that before I ascend into heaven, I'll come and see about you and call you by your name. She goes to grab, hold on. You don't understand. I ain't ascended, but I refuse to leave you one more minute in this place. I refuse to leave you one more minute in your hopelessness. You see that empty tomb? You see that empty tomb? Don't ever be hopeless again. Don't ever be hopeless again. If that don't let you know God loves you, I don't know what else will. That he came to see about Brother Justin, a woman who had been caught in adultery, thrown at Jesus' feet to be stoned. Jesus cast seven devils out of her. Now she can't get away from him. But when she thought he wasn't moving, she got hopeless. And now she's sitting at an empty tomb trying to bring the empty tomb into her hopelessness. But I thank God. <laughs> that he's too big, he's too powerful, and he's too good for you to bring him into there. He brings you into where he is. Watch this. And then I'm, I'm not, I'm gonna just give you this and then we're done. The fourth thing I want you to understand the empty tomb reveals to us that just because you messed up doesn't mean it's time to give up. I said just because you messed up doesn't mean it's time to give up. Mark chapter 16, they got to see this and then I'm done. Mark chapter 16, verse 14. Later he appeared to the leaven as they sat at the table. Now watch this. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Now look up at me real quick. 
I need you to understand that the, that the movies have messed you up in perceiving what happened in this room. You, you see this feminine Jesus that you don't know whether he's gay or not. On the movie. And he's sitting at the table. Why not you have believed in me? Why haveth thou doubted me? <laughs> Peter, haveth now not heard what I said unto thee? This is not what happened. Jesus showed up in the room, the door wouldn't even open. <laughs> he showed up in the room, the door wouldn't even open because he, he's like, I know y'all might not even want me in here, but I'm coming anyway. And we're going to talk about something. Now, give me a seat. And they said, he sat down, he said, now let me tell you something. And the Bible says he rebuked them. Why did you doubt me? Did you think that I was some normal man? Did you think that I was some kind of prophet or some good man? Do you not know who I am? He rebuked them. I told you, Jesus would have 23 and a half people in his church. You would not go to Jesus' church. The first time he counted your offering and told everybody what you gave, you'd be gone. The first time. <laughs> Can y'all imagine next Sunday? Ushers, bring the buckets right here. Oh, hold on. Wait, how much was that? Okay, yeah, come on, come on. Well, Jesus didn't do that. Read your Bible. He sat in front of the treasury box and counted their offerings. Jesus was savage. Y'all wasn't going to play with him and don't sleep on him. He was not, he was not playing this 2022 limp-wristed, uh, noodle, noodle back, lukewarm Christianity. Jesus was a man and he was the Messiah and he stood for righteousness in a dark place. He wasn't playing that stuff. Now watch this. He rebuked them. He said, man, I told you for three and a half years what was going to happen, and you still wouldn't believe. I told you I had your back. You still wouldn't go to church. Oh, I'm going to touch it. I told you I would bless you, and you still would not give. I told you that you could trust in me, and you still wanted to live your own life. He stood there and rebuked them. I told you not to be shacking up, but you still doing it anyway. I told you not to be doing that, but you still did it anyway. He rebuked them. But how many are glad? How many are glad he didn't leave them in their mess up? He 
He said, now get up, and I'm going to use you to reach the world for my name's sake. Get up out of your sin. Get up out of your mess. Get up out of your fornication. Get up out of your dope. Get up out of your racism. Get up out of your religion. I'm going to use you. Somebody say, I will not. Come on, say, I will not be defined by my mess up. I will be defined by my get up. Now in Jesus' name, get up. Get up out of your stuff. Get up out of your darkness. Get up out of your sin. Get up out of your chains. Get up out of it now. In Jesus' name, get up out of it. Come on, stand up all over this place. Just because you messed up don't mean it's time to get up. I mean, give up. Now, nobody, I don't want anybody leaving. I don't, because the folk that's already left, if they lost, they don't, listen. If something don't change, they're going to hell. I don't want none of y'all going to hell. And if you do, you got to do it kicking and screaming and walking over me. If you bust hell wide open, you're going to have to walk around a bunch of people to do it. So Jesus says, can you imagine the mood? I want to put you there. The mood in that room when he says, Cephas, Peter, I even told you about the rooster, man. I told you. John, you stuck your head on my chest, man. But you still wouldn't believe. And all of a sudden, they all dropped their head. And then Jesus looks up and says, but it ain't over. It ain't over. Peter, you just watch. You denied me three times, but on the day of Pentecost, I'm going to give you 3,000 souls. John, you didn't believe, but don't worry, John. I'm going to make it for a little while. They can't even kill you, son. Now get up. Quit wallowing in it. We got stuff to do. I got plans. I'm going to take 12 men. Plus 108 others. I'm going to put you in a room. And the spirit that's in me is going to come on you. And I'm going to give you power. And you won't ever deny me again. Matter of fact, Peter, you're going to let them crucify you upside down because you don't even think you're worthy to be crucified like I was. Thomas, you'll never doubt me again. Matter of fact, Thomas, Thomas, they're going to they're going, they're going push you off a cliff in India. I've been to St. Thomas Mount where he would not deny Christ and he would not quit preaching and they 
pushed a spear through his stomach and pushed him off of a mountain. Thomas, don't worry about it. You won't never doubt me again. James, they're going to cut your head off, son. Don't worry about it. You will never doubt me again. Now get up. What is God saying in this place today? Don't ever look at the empty tomb as if it don't have nothing to say to you right now. We used to sing a song in the old church. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. What was that doing? That was instilling in the people that I got power because Jesus is alive. We pray you were blessed by today's message. For more content and to get to know us better, download our app at AbundantLifeChurch.com